0: Well, this evening we're going to be in the book of Proverbs, chapter 9, and verse 10. I'll just pray again, and then we will look at this verse from Proverbs. Heavenly Father, thank you for the wisdom in your word, and we pray that uh, you would make us wise this evening. And we pray that uh, we might live for your glory, in Jesus' name. Amen. Proverbs 9 verse 10 says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Several years ago I did the Duke of Edinburgh's award and you might know what that involves. If you ever take a walk around here in, in the summer you may see groups of uh, potentially bedraggled and slightly miserable-looking teenagers with these big rucksacks on, and you think that's probably a D of E group. Now, I wasn't much of a map reader. Thankfully, there was someone on my group, or at least one, who was uh, half-decent, and so they tended to do more than I did. When you start out, you have to hold the map the right way around. Otherwise, you could think, okay, that's where we are, that's where the path leads, and so you set off. And then you could walk for an hour or so and realize we're going in completely the wrong direction. And you've lost that time. And if you go, if you go too seriously wrong, you might have to
1: cancel the whole expedition. To finish well, you must start well. To start wrong to start in the wrong
0: direction, guarantees you that unless something drastic happens, unless there is a definite change, it guarantees you that you won't end well. To reject wisdom, we saw in that I read all of chapter 8 earlier, in verse 36, the last verse of chapter 8, is to love death. That's a strange Phrase, But that's what it says. It says, he who sins against me, and this is in a sense wisdom talking in chapter eight, uh, wrongs his own soul. All those who hate me love death. Now, when you love something or someone, you spend time with that person or thing. You uh, maybe talk about it to other people. You are seeking to make much of it and you think a lot of it. To love death is a very strange idea. It gives us the idea of people who they are celebrating ruin. They are celebrating destruction. They are making much of the fact that they're headed for futility and disaster. It's a strange idea, but the point is being made in quite strong language that this is what it's like to reject wisdom wisdom is that important that to to reject it is as dangerous and as strange as a person who was glorying in death a loving death it says in uh, verse 18 of chapter 8 riches and enduring honour sorry riches and honour with me are with me enduring riches and righteousness in verse 11 it says that wisdom is better than rubies in fact all the things one may desire cannot be compared with her now every one of us here has a life uh, separate from our life on a Sunday morning a Sunday evening all kinds of stuff going on in the week and you will have different things that you desire I do every one of us does that's to be human And some of those things are probably not that important. Some of them definitely are important and we need them. Some of those things may be illegitimate things at times. When we desire things which God says no. But all the things, all the things possible in the universe that you could desire and need or want. It says that they can't be compared with wisdom. You need wisdom. Wisdom is the principal thing. It's the most important thing. Get wisdom. Pursue wisdom. So we have to know then how to be wise. What does it mean to be wise? What is wisdom? What is the starting point? And I want to look at that, looking at that famous word, famous verse, Proverbs 9 verse 10. It says this, the fear of the Lord. It's the beginning of wisdom. God doesn't tell us you need wisdom, but then set us going on a, on a kind of mystery tour where you, you have to kind of work it out and find this, the, the kind of the, the holy grail at the end. You finally work out what wisdom is. God tells us straight away you need wisdom. And then he tells us what the beginning of wisdom is. Here's, here it is. It's the fear of the Lord. It's the knowledge of God, the knowledge of the Holy One, is to understand. So what I want to do this evening is to look at what is the fear of the Lord. It's an easy phrase to kind of roll off the the tongue and say we should fear God. But could you define that? Could you explain to somebody, if you said that you feared God, could you explain to somebody what is the fear of the Lord? It's kind of uh, I say Christian jargon, it's a good phrase. It's in the Bible, but what does it mean? So that's what I want to do. I want to look at what the fear of the Lord is. What is this beginning of wisdom? Now, doesn't God say many times in the Bible, doesn't He say, don't fear? You think that's one of the repeated things that God says, don't fear. And our lives are characterized sometimes by much fear. We worry about people, about circumstances. We're afraid of uh, particular things we have to do. We're afraid of what might happen. We're afraid of something bad happening to ourselves or to people we love. We can be full of anxiety. And God says very clearly that's wrong. That shouldn't be the case. He says, do not fear. And yet there is a fear same word, but there's a fear that we must have. It's a fear
1: which is consistent with love and confidence and doesn't have any anxiety in it. It's a particular kind of fear. It's the fear of the Lord. And we could define it this way.
0: The fear of the Lord is a life Of obedience
1: that holds together great boldness with great reverence, deep love and affection with deep humility, real awe, but real liking of God and true worship
0: and true rest. And do you see what we're doing there? We're trying to hold together these two things where there is a genuine fear of God in the sense of awe, respect, reverence, bowing before him. And yet at the same time, there is real boldness and confidence and rest and love. That's what the fear of the Lord is. And I want to look at that in a few places in the Bible. Now, in Isaiah chapter 6, We see a a transition in Isaiah's experience. If you would turn there, if you have a Bible. Isaiah chapter 6 is this famous section where Isaiah sees the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and he sees the Lord as the one who is holy, holy, holy. The Lord of hosts, the Lord of armies. The whole earth is full of his glory. It's this stunning vision of God. It's awesome. It's overpowering. He's getting a glimpse of the holiness of God. And he realizes that he is not like that. He says, woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips. Verse five. Now, that's a terrifying experience in a sense. It's a fearful experience. It's something where, in that moment, he hasn't got confidence. But then, what happens in verse 6 and 7? One of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal which he had taken with the tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips, your iniquity is taken away, and your
1: sin purged. Something's changed. God didn't get any less holy, but God has shown Isaiah that though he is holy, there is grace and mercy and
0: forgiveness. And now he has this. He has the same vision of God. He hasn't now become, he doesn't now become blasé and flippant. But now there's a confidence and now there's a willingness to serve God because he hears the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And I said, Isaiah said, here am I, send me. That's what the fear of the Lord does. You have a true reverence of him. You will see God as he is and it will leave you changed. It cannot leave you the same. And yet there's a confidence. There's a willing obedience, not that kind of fear which leads to you complying just because you want to avoid punishment. That's not the fear of the Lord. It's a true fear. But there's also a willing aspect in it. Another place we see it is just you have to turn to this Psalm 2. says, serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Do you see how those things in the Bible are not inca- incompatible? We can serve him
1: with trembling and yet, in that trembling, you rejoice. Psalm 2, uh,
0: verse 10 and 11, you'll find that. That is something which the Bible reveals to us. You won't get that from your own head. From your own head, your own ideas about God, you might fear this kind of, you realise in your conscience you've done wrong. This, You know there's a God, you know there's a being, and you might be, have a sense that you should do what's right,
1: but there's no joy in it. There might be some trembling, but when you know God, the trembling stays, but it becomes new because there's now joy in it
0: and here's the Here's the kind of the paradox: If there was no trembling, you could not have the joy. Part of the joy is realizing this is how God is. This is what he is like. Therefore, that's a reason to rejoice. Now, a few years ago, my family had a, a holiday in Cornwall. I don't know if you know Kynance Cove down in Cornwall. It's a very, uh, really nice place to have a day out. And on this particular day, I went swimming in the sea and it wasn't the safest thing I've ever done. But the waves were in one particular part where coming in and they were high and you spend time in that water and you see this wave of water coming towards you and it's big and it's much more powerful than you are and when it hits it can just toss you and throw you about and you're powerless until it puts you down again.
1: It's not safe but it's exhilarating and it's very unsafeness
0: is part of what makes it so attractive. It's not like some tame wave pool you get at the uh the swimming pool or something. It's a real, unmanageable, big, pulsating ocean coming into the to the beach, and it's bigger than you are, and it could throw you
1: against the rocks if you messed around. And yet it's attractive. It's like nothing else. The fear of the Lord. Doesn't mean that we stay away. It means
0: that we are attracted by that greatness because we realize that though he is unchanged and he won't, he can't change and he will not become any less holy. He loves us. And this is the place to be. In in Acts 9 verse 31. uh Here's another place we see this. Kind of, we see two things together. That's 931 of Acts. Then the churches throughout all Judea, Galilee and Samaria had peace and were edified. And walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, they were multiplied. Now the comfort of the Holy Spirit sounds like a good thing. It is. Do you see how the fear of the Lord, far from being inconsistent, with the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it goes naturally together. Ephesians 3, verse 14, I'll give you one more example. We see this. Apostle, the Apostle Paul, he's praying here in 14 to 21. He wants that, well, let's, let's read it. For this reason, i bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. How does all that begin? It's this wonderful prayer about the love of God, the love of Christ. He wants a
1: rich experience of God. And who could object to the love of God? We naturally resonate with that. But how does it begin? Look at that verse 14. For this reason, I bow my knees. And that's the context of the love of God. There is great boldness. With great reverence. When we come
0: to God in prayer, we can come with that boldness we see in the Psalms where he says basically, uh, he just cries out to God. He's crying for help. He's saying, help, Lord. We can do that. And yet there's no also,
1: it's also true that we don't waltz into God's presence. We bow our knees and we do it gladly as believers.
0: Because we wouldn't go- want God to be any other than he is. So that is in, that is something of what the fear of the Lord is. It is holding these two things together in one. And that's the life of the believer. So I want to ask, does our Christianity, does your Christianity as an individual, does it match up to that? Have you got this wisdom? Have you begun in this way? And if you have, uh, what we need to do is ask ourselves, have we slipped? And this is what I mean. God came in the person of his son, Jesus Christ, not to just give us a, a top up, as it were. He didn't come just to take our lives, as they were, and just add a bit in so that we were already doing nearly all right. And he came, yeah, just have this. That's not what God came to do. Jesus came to take your cup and pour it out so that, it, and then to fill it. He hasn't come so that he might be a little bit
1: or extra. He's come that he might be all in all because he is God and we are just men and women. He's the one who is to
0: have the preeminence, the cent- central place, the first place in all things in our lives. So we can slip in very easily to, to this approach of I'm approaching the Bible, and I'm approaching my morning reading, let's say, or, or coming to church in terms of what can God do for me? How can God meet my needs in my current situation? Now, God is the one who provides for all our needs. And yet, do you see how there's something shifted? The fear of the Lord reminds us when we it keeps that view of God, that God is great. We are not great. It's about him. It's not about what he can do for me, first of all. It's about him. And, you know, um, you might have, I'm not criticizing these, but you might have a calendar up in your house, which has got a Bible verse for each month. That's, that's, that's a great thing to do. Uh, you might have verses up in your, in your bathroom wall, your kitchen wall. And, or you might have an app on your phone, which gives you verse of the day. And that's, it's a good thing to surround ourselves with scripture. But listen to this list and, can you see that something might be wrong here? In a sense, there's nothing wrong. Don't misunderstand me, but just listen to this ri- list. So God is our rock. God is our fortress. God is our shelter. God is our shepherd. God is love. God is the fighter of our battles. God hears us when we call.
1: God is our friend. Are all those things true? They are. And we we should never let those
0: things go for one moment. But if that's all we say about God, if those are the only verses we like to be reminded of, if those are the only ones that we like to sort of share and have popping up on our phones, we will end up with a lopsided view of God. Because all those things I've just said about God are wonderful, they're necessary, they're true but god has many other things to say about himself this might not be a very boosting of our uh, i don't know our self esteem but listen to this from uh, listen to this from isaiah 40 all nations before him are as
1: nothing and they are counted by him less than nothing and worthless god has no need of me
0: or you Our God is a consuming fire, it says in Hebrews. Our God is righteous. He is full of power. He is full of wrath against his enemies. He is great. He is independent. Jeremiah 10 verse 10 says this. But the Lord is the true God. He is the living God and the everlasting King. At his wrath, the earth will tremble and the nations will not be able to endure his indignation. You probably don't have that up on as a fridge magnet. But it's a glorious truth about your God. And the truth is, if we just focus on these verses which sound instantly good, like, oh, God is my friend and shepherd, we actually miss the power of those verses because the context of those verses is is all that the Bible says about God. And it's when we realise that it's the one who is the consuming fire, the one who can destroy all the nations of the world in a moment, the one who can bring down kings, the one who will send the wicked to hell. When we realise that that God, who did not need to save us and does not need us, When we realise that that God is our Shepherd and friend, and our fortress, and our rock, then we appreciate those verses. It's as we have the whole picture of what the Bible says about God that we have a biblical, a real view of God, and we would truly love Him, and we would truly worship Him,
1: and we would truly fear Him. The word fear doesn't have the meaning of terror
0: when we talk about it of God. And yet fear is the right word. Because there is that there is that aspect of trembling which must always stay. Not the trembling of God is going to judge me, but that rejoicing with trembling where we realise this
1: is my God and there is none other. To walk in the fear of God is to walk with
0: the one true God in all that the Bible reveals himself to be. If you see a bird in the tree and it has one wing
1: and it launches out of that tree, it's going to crash. One-winged Christianity is doomed.
0: A one-winged aeroplane is not going to travel very far. In the Christian life, a view of God which is just taking the, a cut and paste selection and trying to make them work in our lives. You might um, get some momentary relief, but it's not leading you to God. The fear of the Lord is when we, we will have a true fear of the Lord when we have the God of the Bible in all that he is revealed to be. Now, I want to finish, um, by briefly looking at what then the experience of the Christian is as he then lives his life or her life. This is what the fear of the Lord is. We're talking about rejoicing. We're trembling. We're saying that this is the, the most, uh, this is to truly live, to see God as he is. And all other things are, are pale things. They're lifeless things compared to knowing God. And so we say that the, you know, like Paul said, um, he described it, didn't he? Right. The kingdom of God is righteousness, joy, peace in the Holy Spirit. These are all good things. This is the fear of the Lord, the beginning of wisdom. And yet we find verses like this. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So if you got that, you're on the right track. And yet sometimes this is our experience. Listen to this. Isaiah 50 verse 10. Who among you fears the Lord?
1: Who obeys the voice of his servant? Jesus Christ. Who walks in darkness and has no light?
0: Let him trust in the name of the Lord and rely upon his God. What's the point? To fear God is to truly know him, is to be truly wise, is to be on the way to heaven. But though that is the best and the most joyful path it is also in a sense the hardest life that you can live because it's in that life that you will have to make war with sin and the devil and sometimes the experience of the Christian is that they walk in darkness and they have no light though he Psalm 23, he leads me by the still waters. He restores my soul. This is all good. The Lord is my shepherd. And yet it also
1: says the, the valley of the shadow of death. That's in there as well. When you trust in God,
0: you will have to walk in darkness sometimes. You will have to walk without a strong sense of the presence of God. You won't always have a strong sense. Uh, Wonderful sense that God is with you. Note the word "sense." God is always with you, but you won't always have a strong sense of it. When you walk with God, there will be times when you you are confronted by not just one difficult circumstance, but seemingly several things coming together, and it it feels like that this this is impossible. There is no way through, and you you ask god for help and you're
1: praying and it seems like he's not answering that's the experience of real christians what are we to do in those what are we to do in those times trust in the name of the lord rely upon your god the name of the lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they are safe. They are saved. The name of the Lord
0: represents, reveals, shows us who He is.
1: The name of the Lord, God is what He calls Himself. God is what He calls Himself. He is
0: the one who is full of loving kindness, mercy, justice
1: grace it's in his name and to trust in the name of the Lord then means to rely
0: on that character that God has revealed is to rely on what he has revealed himself to be even though you don't feel it at that time and this is this is why we have to truly know God because if, if we have seen that this is God, this is his character, this is his greatness, this is who he is. If we've begun that way of wisdom, then when those dark times come and they will. And when we walk in darkness and we're trying to live that life of obedience, fearing God. And then it's like God switches the lights out. We remember, we know, we know the one we have seen. And we rely on his name, which means we rely on that character that we have known, that we have seen. So if you're walking in darkness, trust in the name of the Lord. That takes us away then from simply saying, grin and bear it. It's not saying change your feelings. That's not what it says. It says, remember who God is. You're a God fearer, right? Then remember who he is. Remember why it is that you fear him, why it is that you rejoice. Are you a Christian? Are you one who obeys the voice of Jesus Christ, God's servant, the one who he sent into the world? Is that who you are? Then in the situation that you find yourself, trust in the name of the God you know. We have beheld his glory, John said. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John had seen Jesus. And if you're a Christian, though you may not have had some mighty experience of, of, of meeting God when you were, when you were saved, you have seen him. You do know him. You know his character. So trust in his name. Trust in, in him for who he is. And then this will be, this will be the, the outcome. And I'll finish here. I'm going to read these verses and then I'm going to pray. This will be the end of your life. Psalm 145, 17 to 21. This is the end of walking in the fear of the Lord, no matter where that journey takes us. The Lord is righteous in all his ways, gracious in all his works. The Lord is near to all who call upon him to all who call upon him in truth. He will fulfill the desire of those who fear him. He also will hear their cry and save them. The Lord preserves all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. My mouth shall speak the praise of
1: the Lord, and all flesh shall bless his holy name forever and ever. Amen. Heavenly
0: Father, thank you. Uh, that through your son, we can fear you truly because we know that in you, with you, there is mercy and there is abundant redemption. We thank you, Lord, that you have revealed yourself through your son, that we might come to know you and we might be with you forever. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to live by faith and not by sight, to live by trusting in the name of the Lord, and not by looking um, at our feelings and our circumstances. And we pray that you would um, cause us to rejoice with great joy and great trembling as we behold our God in these coming days. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.